Battleground debuted on Hulu in 2012, one of the very first original scripted programs developed by and for a streaming service. Though it only lasted one season, the politically charged workplace mockumentary helped redefine what we consider and consume as television. Now, 10 years later, the cast, crew, and creators of Battleground invite you to listen in and watch along as we take a look back at our trailblazing show and answer the question. Did you win? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Did You Win? A Battleground Retrospective. I am your host, Jordan T. Maxwell. I play Jordan Tiberius Mosley uh, on the show, as hopefully you know. I don't know why you would jump into this podcast right in the middle and not know who I am. That's that's a very daring choice of you, podcast listener, and I applaud you for it. Um, speaking of daring, this is going to be a very uh, adventurous uh, edition of Did You Win? We have, uh, I think, our most exotic locales uh, for our guests uh, this week. Uh, and I'm really, really happy uh, to have them on board. Uh, and I will, uh, I'll kick it over to them to, uh, to let them introduce themselves. Hi, uh, I'm Melanie Killingsworth. I was the assistant editor, um, the assistant on-set editor for Battlegrounds Hulu, and uh, I am currently living in Melbourne, Australia. <laughs> not, not assistant to the editor, the assistant editor. The assistant editor, yes. Ass- mostly I was the assistant <laughs> to Betsy, who was the script uh, right. supervisor. <laughs> and uh, fans of this podcast will, uh, will, of course, remember Betsy from an earlier episode. We had her on with uh, Scott Cushman. Um, and it was delightful. Oh, it was as it would utterly be. Utterly delightful. Yeah, she's she's an amazing human being. They both are. Um, and Randy, go ahead and give, uh, introduce yourself. I'm Randy Lee. I was the DIT for Battleground. And right now I am parked in some BLM land outside of Las Vegas. And I'm here climbing for a little while before I go big walling, aid climbing. And then I'm going to go do Denali. So, yeah, I'm off in the middle of nowhere looking at Joshua trees. And, of course, I'm sitting in my living room in Austin, Texas. So for, uh, for people uh, outside of uh, the industry, uh, let's just uh, go, we'll reverse the order here. Uh, Randy, uh, what, does, uh, what does DIT stand for and uh, what, it, what does that entail as far as your duties on the show? DIT is digital something. Image technician. Yeah, there we go. There we go. That's why she. That's why she gets the big bucks. Right, right. <laughs> I've, I've been uh, working as a camera operator and not doing any DIT for quite a while now. So you forget the big word. <laughs> uh, and so on, on this show, basically the job was to manage all of the media coming from multiple cameras, make sure that no media, nothing that was filmed, is lost. Get it moved onto several different hard drives. Uh, and make versions of it because it was all shot on 5D Mark IIs and it didn't edit well in any of the edit systems people were using at the time. So to make a version of it that would work better in the editing programs that they were using. And how did you, uh, how did you come on to this gig? How did you get hired? I think mine was, well, I had been doing a lot of DIT for short films and things of that nature in the area. And I think it was John Urban that mm. uh, heard about the show and he put my name in and got me on. And were you, uh, uh, you were a local hire there in Madison? Yep. Yep. I was living in Madison and working 
I think I had quit. So I'd worked for a production company in town for five years or so. And I think I had quit at that time and was freelance, shooting, editing, DIT, things of that nature. Uh, and Melanie, uh, I think like the, the, the title probably indicates uh, what it is, but uh, let's uh, go ahead for the folks at home layout. Uh, what exactly uh, an assistant editor does or what exactly an assistant editor did uh, on this show at the very least? Yeah. Uh, so my job was to sit in a room with Randy. And then after <laughs> Randy had finished making all the multiple copies and doing everything with the footage, I would take the footage. And so we were, we were simultaneously shooting on two cameras at once. And I would take all of that footage and I would sync all of the audio to all of the video. Um, so I would make sure, you know, because we video and audio were recorded separately. I would sync them. I would make the one file. I would put them in a timeline. I believe I was editing in Final Cut. Pro. This was before Final Cut 10 came out, so we were still using Final yep, Cut yep, Pro. Yeah, it was Final Cut 7. Yeah, yep. so I good one. Put, <laughs> I would put them all in, and then I would um, export them all as files that could be watched and used by themselves. But then the other thing that I would do is I would cut dailies, and I would cut roughs of the scenes for JD to look at the next morning. So I would. He, he could come in at any point and say, oh, can I see this take? And he'd be able to look at it whole. And I would also chop up, so you know, take a couple of the best takes and give a really, really rough idea of what the scene might look like when it was pieced together. Um, and then the, the, the other really big important thing that I did was help Betsy, the script supervisor, to keep track of everything. So she might come in and she might say, you know, I need to double check this thing of a scene that we shot three weeks ago because now we're shooting the scene that comes after it and I need to look at this tiny little wardrobe detail that we didn't think was important. So I would dig that up and I would watch over things with, with Betsy. So, and sometimes um, JD would also come in and say, oh, can I, can I see this other angle? Can I see what it would look like if, you know, the whole thing were in close-ups or can I see just the wides of this particular scene and things like that. So just a lot of, uh, a lot of knowing what all of the scenes look like at any given time. And I remember uh, my, <laughs> I think my unofficial nickname in my head, I don't think I ever uh, shared this with anyone, but uh, like, I always thought of y'all in my, cause I love alliteration as the coffee crew. Cause anytime that I would come into set, like sure enough, Randy and Melanie would have like their thermos cups and, you know, be getting a refill on it or, you know, talking about locally roasted siphon pot brewed. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. By the, by the time we were really in the thick of it, I remember people would count how many cups of coffee I went through in a day yes. and be like, Randy, are you, is that 15 or 16? <laughs> Randy just like, vibrated across the desk know. for me, really. Yeah. Y'all were in your own like little dimensional pocket, just kind of vibrating at your own frequency. Yeah. Was, uh... Yeah. Which was weird because then we didn't always interact with everybody else as much or in the same way. Like I was off in my little bubble and not really out watching the scene happen or seeing what everybody else was doing. It was, I'm here in a little a corner in the, in the little office dealing with media all day and all night. And because of the location of our, of our little office, actually, sometimes because we were within the set, but we were in this weird space, sometimes when they were shooting, we couldn't leave because the door, the our only door sometimes would walk through the set. So we would sometimes be in there for a couple of hours and just not really able to come out. Yeah. Y'all were the one I remember because we've talked a few times on the podcast before about, you know, how interesting it was that like our set was 
the same building as our production office that yeah. they had converted the where out like half of it was one and half of it was the other. But y'all had like the one like production office that was on set that was actually part yes. of the like campaign headquarters. And the outside doors, yeah, it's very cold, very very cold sometimes. But mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. we were. You can see our you can see our uh, office in several of the scenes actually, or the door to our office. The the opening of almost every episode is you know like Tack showing up at the campaign uh, headquarters and walking in, and it's just like right off there to the side is the the door where all the magic was happening. We had the big window. We could actually watch out the window towards that scene. When he was, he was essentially walking towards our window. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Um, and as an actor, of course, you know, like I just, you know, I, I come to set when they, you know, call for me. There's, you know, usually I know ahead of time when I'm showing up. But, you know, I come in for a few hours and, you know, then I, I wrap out and I go home if they, you know, either have other scenes to shoot. But every time, like I'd come in and y'all would be there and I would leave and you would still be there and I'd come back the next morning and I'm like, do they just have cots in there? Are they just like, do do do, do they get to go home? <laughs> I, I should have had a cot there. There were definitely days that uh, were like 18 hour days of just tr- struggling to keep up with how much we were just rolling and rolling and rolling. And that means that we were working and working and working. I remember there was one snowstorm that I stayed late trying to wrap everything up and everybody else was gone. And I was the last one out and somebody had cleaned the snow off of my windshield. And it was like, Oh, something good in the world today. This is amazing. Thank you. Whoever that was. It, it was, it was me, Randy. I can confess it now. It was me. No, I have no idea. Was... <laughs> I think, I think it was, uh, Will, uh, um, oh, PA, PA Will that, uh, years later, when I moved to L.A., he was living in L.A., and I stayed at his place for a few days, and he s- said that it was him that cleaned it off. And I didn't find out until years later that who had done it, but I really, really appreciated that because I was putting in some long hours. What brought uh, both of you, and I'll, I'll kick this uh, uh, to Melanie first, uh, what made you uh, want to get into the industry? What made you want to be like a filmmaker in any regard? Um, I had... Ooh. That's a question. Uh, so the way that I was <laughs> raised is uh, I wasn't allowed to watch TV or film, really, uh, in any way, shape, or form. But my being the small, rebellious child that I was, I found ways to do it anyway. And film and TV were definitely um, some of the ways that I learned to interact with the world and learn how to, you know, some, some, sometimes by watching and saying, oh, that's really interesting. And sometimes by watching and saying, oh, that's what not to do. <laughs> but I loved, um, I always really loved, like, so for example, my grandmother and I would watch, like, I Love Lucy. And it just felt like magic. Like, I would watch this show and go, this is magical. That you can put these things together and that, you know, you can, you can take a trip to Italy and you can have all of these ridiculous, you know, pratfalls. And this is very funny and this is very... You know, and, um, and, and do these like outsized sort of absurdist, uh, routines on film. And, and I really just wanted to learn how to do that. And the way that I got into it was I actually, um, and I actually met Randy working on a documentary. Um, but I had always wanted to work in, in narrative. And actually, this was one of my very, I'd done some shorts, but this was my actual first sort of, you know, like foray into, into long form narrative, which has always been my passion long form television narrative storytelling. So, um yeah, and I've I've loved it ever since. Oh, that's so great. That's so great. How about you, Randy? Uh 
I had uh, a similar, um, very religious upbringing and didn't have that rebellious, I need to get away from it. The way that I broke away from it was interesting and different, but uh, I wasn't really a big movie buff or a big film watcher or super into that. I read a lot, but I didn't really watch a whole lot of TV. And then one day, my tiny little high school in a farming community had a grant for a little bit of camera equipment. And now I graduated in 04, 17 years later, they're still using the same gear, right? So it's not like they had money for it or have money. They had a grant one time. Um, and my best friend was the editor for their weekly broadcast. And one day I was sitting with him over his lunch and I wasn't even in any of the media classes, just sitting down there. And he stands up and he says, I quit. And he walks out the door. Oh, wow. And the instructor looked around at a room full of his students and he pointed at me and he said, you're doing it. Huh. And uh, so thank you, Mr. Wanamaker. That set me off on this path. And uh, that's amazing. And, and, and so I turned into uh, a tech primarily. Uh, I learned Final Cut Pro inside and out and went to school. And the teacher would stand and give her a little spiel out of the book and then say, Randy, can you take care of that half of the room? I'll take care of this half. And I'll come to you when I have questions. Um, and then I worked at a TV station for a little while and I wanted to get into more creative instead of just rolling beta decks, uh, wanted to get into more creative. So I worked at a production company and I learned how to shoot and learned how to edit, um, their local and regional pieces that they were doing. And then I went freelance and I was looking for more. How do I, how do I get into bigger? How do I get into cooler? And along the way, like this job was for me, 100% technical, right? There is no creativity in DIT. If there's creativity, you're doing it wrong <laughs> and you're messing somebody else. You're screwing somebody else down the line right. for sure. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that it was, it was kind of a, like a thing came up that was right in my wheelhouse of things that I'm good at. And I would say yes. And every time I would do that, another opportunity would come up to do something even cooler because of it. That's awesome. Yeah. No, just like in my experience, just, and, you know, like I was certainly I'm not the most experienced person in this caster crew as, uh, <laughs> as many of our listeners will uh, know over past conversations. But like the thing that I have definitely learned is like editors and technicians in particular are so worth their weight and like in gold or money or credit mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. or exposure no uh never exposure um and yeah so i just always have like the utmost respect because like you know i i get up there and i play make-believe you know I, I'm just like you know and especially in this one where like you know i'm playing a character named after myself who you know because i'm friends with the writers shares a lot of my interests and a lot of my humor for better or worse uh so like it's the easiest freaking thing in the world like just to get up there and have fun with you know my friends and play make-believe but it's like the people actually like you know doing the work and putting in the hours and everything which is like the utmost respect like those are the, that's the skeleton of the body production so much love and respect for y'all and on that uh ass kissing note uh i think we're going to roll into actually watching this episode. Uh, for those of you All at right. home, it is episode nine. Things are getting ugly tack. Um, we are, this is, this is going to be an interesting, uh, episode for the commentary because, uh, we're going to draw some attention to the plight of international streamers now. Um, 
Because Melanie, being in Australia, cannot watch Hulu. Uh, and so cannot join us in the Hulu watch party. Um, so uh, Randy and I are going to do our best to kind of describe things that are happening. But uh, as Melanie has pointed out to me in the uh, the weeks leading up to this episode, uh, she's probably the one person other than JD who has seen this footage. Editors watch the footage yeah. a lot of times. Like so many, 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 many times. I mean, obviously I've watched the episodes as a whole when I was still living in the US when it came out. But you just end up watching these scenes and watching different takes and you know, when you're trying to cut it together, rewatching, rewatching, rewatching parts of, you know, certain scenes. There are definitely scenes in here of which I've seen. I've seen Jordan fall on his ass like a lot of times. Mostly true, intentionally. True. Some mostly and sometimes metaphorically, mostly. sometimes literally. There were <laughs> there were definitely a few takes where I was like, that was I had to pop up and be like, Yeah, I thought I'd throw a Pratt fall in there. Um so anyway, let's move on. So yeah, we will uh so as Randy and I are describing things, hopefully this will uh trigger some memories, hopefully not trigger too many traumas. Um and we will uh we'll just roll into it. So if you're watching along with us at home, uh episode starts in five, four, three, two, one. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, baby. Hulu originals. Oh, somebody's watching an ad. No, it, no it, it just says that. It lies to you. It wants you to feel like you're missing out on the ad watching experience. Yes. It's like someone else is watching ads, but you're not getting to right now. I'm like, yeah, I pay you extra every month, <laughs> Hulu, for that privilege. Should have given me a free membership for life. Should have given all of us. Like, thanks for blazing the trail for... Not that it would do me any good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's a membership that you are not allowed to use. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and this, is a, this is actually the first... Uh, they kind of broke from the form. We see Ben standing out there, because usually the episode's open, like we said, with Tack walking in. But this is first because he's meeting up with Mr. Jack DeSena. Is this Ben standing out in the parking lot alone? He was standing out, and now we're at, now we're at Mickey's Dairy Bar, and uh, this is the part of the episode where we talk about how handsome Jay Hayden is. Mm. But let's also uh, throw in how friggin' handsome Jack DeSena is as well, because these are two very good-looking men. It is a great part of my job that you are just well for this editing. You're just looking at beautiful people all the time. Yes. This was a, a very, very attractive cast. Still is. Still very much is. Everyone in the, I, like, whoever, I don't know what uh, virgin's blood everyone is soaking in or how many aging portraits people have in their attic. But 10 years later, everyone still looks good. And I've called them out for it. And, and 10 years later, y'all still look real damn good, too. So c- congratulations on whatever your skincare regime is. Um, is Ten years later, people should not look as good and as youthful as they do as the cast and crew of the show has maintained. Mine, mine has been a lot of salt water and way too much sunshine, especially <laughs> lately. Ooh. Well, there you go. It's you know, it's a salt scar. You get that exfoliation. Yeah, it's just a, yeah, it's a... yeah, exactly right. <laughs> All right, tell me what's happening now. Okay, so Tack is now at the office. They've had the break in. People are cleaning up. 
they left the coffee maker. That's good. That was a lot of work, I remember, because they, they had to spray paint that. Oh, that's our door. Hey, I'm, I'm behind there going, can I come out now? I really need to pee. <laughs> no. <laughs> Please say cut. I, I need a cup of coffee. <laughs> they, they, they spray painted that, but they, because we were shooting out of order, and, because, and then they had to come in and repaint the whole wall so that they could shoot in there the next day. Yeah. After the break-in, and it was a mess, mm-hmm. they had to reset the whole thing. They repainted all the walls like two or three times to cover that crazy, I, I think it's red, is it not? The red vandalism? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. red, red, red uh, slur. I don't want to, like, I, I don't want to say the word. <laughs> it's, it's a very terrible word. Um, mm-hmm. That was, um, our art department uh, was, was really delightful as well. Was that, that would have been Heather. Who, yeah. who spray painted yeah. all of that herself yeah. and then painted over it the next day. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ray Wise. Ah, uh, legend. D-Day has entered. Man. Uh, I, like, I have, I've sung his praises every time he's on. He's been one of my favorite character actors forever. When I heard he was mm. playing D-Day for us in this one. Like, I, uh, uh, Elizabeth Triplett told me, and I told her this story. I reminisced with her about this when she guessed it. But, like, I told her to stop joking with me when she told me that he'd been cast as D-Day. Because I thought she was legitimate. I was like, there's no way we got Ray Wise. And Ray Wise showed up on set. I can't remember if I told this story in the episode that I got to. The scenes we had. I think it was, like, episode uh, three or four. But he came in. Because he was only there for, like, two or three days. So we got, like, all of his stuff done. And that one little narrow time frame. But, like, he's so known for, like, mm. playing characters in great suits. Mm. He showed up in the dressing room in a suit, really nice suit. And I was like, oh, cool. He came uh, in wardrobe already. <laughs> and then uh, Mallory, uh, our wonderful uh, costume designer, came up and handed him another suit. And was like, here's what we've uh, picked out for you. And he went and changed from his suit into the other suit. What a legend. And then, of course, you know, because he's having to play over a few different, you know, days. And in the case of the flashback episode, a few years. So he's having to wear a different suit for every episode. So he just goes and changes. Suit to suit. Very Superman. It was so amazing. He was such a great guy. Wow. Oh, I just remember I, he was really lovely. And yeah, I, I've worked with other famous people since before and since. And I, I, it doesn't fluster me. And I'm not, you know, but I just remember that first day. I, I had this very strange experience the first day he was on set and we were ended up at Crafty together and being like, I'm eating cheese from the same tray as Leland Palmer. What is my life right now? Yeah. <laughs> it was very cool. Right. I think for a lot of us locals, this was the first big show that several of us had worked on that had real celebrities in, involved. Um, yeah. And same thing. I've since worked with like Tyler Perry and Oprah and a bunch of other celebs, but this was my first experience with real celebrities like Jordan. Here. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm clearly, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm top billing. I've got my name above the title. Ray Wise, Jordan T. Maxwell. Or as I had a friend um, who worked with him as a costume designer a couple of years after the fact and mentioned, it was like, Oh, I'm, you know, friends with uh, Jordan from battleground. And he went, Old Tiberius, how is he? And I was like, she told me that story, and like, I just that got me through the next week. You got to put that on your tombstone. Old Tiberius, how is he? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, Ray Wise has a nickname for me. 
like the, the the devil from Reaper knows who I am and like and slapped me on the back so hard. Oh, this is you, Jordan. This is you. You showed up. I'm not in this episode very much. This is actually a very Jordan light episode. What are you doing in this scene? So I have uh, scheduled is this the cupcake scene. <laughs> I have scheduled a rally on campus. Oh, okay, right. Yep. Or I invited no, I invited the press to an event, and, but I have not done anything to arrange it. Oh, speaking Klingon. And oh, I Klingon. I had to learn a Klingon. How to say this in Klingon? I had to like. Did you learn it? Um, I had to go. They had it in because all, all they had in the script was. He says in Klingon, <laughs> relax tack. <laughs> and so I had to go, like, I had to go online and, like, look up, how do you say? And I was like, and, but, like, the word for relax was just sort of, it was like, hoda. Um, and it was just like, didn't really feel, so, like, I looked up the word for captain as well. Because it was like, you know, that felt very Trekian. It was like, and it was like, it was a really cool word. And I was just like. And like, I had to rehearse it. <laughs> How do you know that you're pronouncing it correctly? Uh, I have, there was like, there was a phonetic guide. Right. Like okay, it gave yep. you the spelling and then like would give you a phonetic guide in the, oh, so hell if I know. I mean, like some fellow, I mean, like I'm a Trekkie, like, you know. Someone now was looking it up, seeing how you pronounced it and just deciding that's the definitive version Yes. Uh, if anyone has any questions, it was uh, it was a a dialect from uh, the southern uh, side of Kronos, uh, and so that is that's how I'm going to excuse any uh, mispronunciations. There we go. But yeah, so this is uh, usually this would kickstart the Ben Lindsay Jordan um, plot of the episode, but really it's just Jordan screwed up, and now. Everyone else has to kind of like rally around to fix it. And Jordan is no longer mm-hmm. around or involved. Like they were like, okay, he, he did what he Show needed up, to do. Drop your smoke bomb, disappear. Basically, yeah. This is my Ninja Vanish episode. I am not like that. I think, I think that's my one scene in the episode, which is why it's one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> like this in the flashback <laughs> that I am not in at all. I'm just like, I love these episodes. These are my favorite ones to watch because I don't have to sit through myself. <laughs> and that is why I've never wanted to be on camera. It's, man, it's like, it's a weird dance of insecurity and narcissism because, like, I love mm-hmm. being on camera. Mm-hmm. And then, like, mm-hmm. I just get really uncomfortable. Yeah. like what? But, like, I feel compelled to watch myself. It's odd. Right. But 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 you are you go out of your way to be in front of camera sometimes. I end up doing episodes of other shows where they'll do a behind the scenes episode and so there's a film crew following the film crew and that's weird. Like I just want to do my job. I don't didn't come here to be on camera. It's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. I actually am on camera at some point in the battleground. They used me they needed extra bodies and they used me as an extra. For one of the press conferences, um, and I actually, I don't remember what episode it is. It's it's earlier um, in the series, but at some point you see like the back of my head, and they they are like, "Here, throw this jacket on, and here, let's like do something with your hair and go." But it's the back of my head, which is fine. We had a lot of double and triple duties. I feel like for the crew having to like you know jump in and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. you know, PAs were definitely always, and I was never entirely clear, uh, and I think it was different in every case, but I was like, did they pull a PA in to be a background actor? Or did they just hire that background actor on to be a PA moving forward? (laughs) (laughs) Go into extras holding. The answer is probably yes. Yeah. Uh, And we've only got five of them today. Uh, What are you doing right now? Cool. You're a campaign worker. Go get in wardrobe. Or, you know, usually, you know, because, you know, the volunteers at the campaign headquarters, it was just like, okay, throw on this Samuels t-shirt because everything else you're wearing is fine because... You're dressed how a campaign volunteer would be. You're meant to look like someone who is broken doing this. Yeah, extras, uh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> doing this for the love. So yeah, many. that's right. Oh, Terry. I love Terry, and I love Terry in that coat. That is a great coat. <laughs> so we're at the we're at the rally Listeners now. Mel. Follow we're... Terry on Instagram. It's very um, uplifting. Oh, it we're is. at the rally. All She's right. so inspirational. We had her on. Um, I last episode and it was just, it's so always so good to see her and talk she just exudes joy and positivity and mm-hmm. here's where george's uh roosters are coming home to chicken or however that saying goes um sam is so good i call him out for it I every single the, time I, yeah. I very rarely worked with great. any of these actors again i actually did a short film after this with sam as well um and he played a very somewhat similar character which is why we cast him but he's he's really great to work with yeah he's just so just warm and giving and can turn from this like because he's so like you know smarmy in this kind of thing and you're like you know and he's having to confess to tack everything that he's done for and like all the financial shenanigans that have been like seeded over the course of the series so far but like he can turn on a dime and be like the warmest funniest guy as well and i think like you need to have that for those kind of characters because we do right. still have to kind of root for saint for for george because we're rooting for uh deirdre for his wife and for the campaign so like we want him to be smart but like we still have to be able to root for him and like Sam dances that line so finely. And if you ask him about it, he's just like, I just showed up and said my lines. <laughs> like, he's, which which is really, and that's like JD's entire approach to acting. It's like, just show up and say it. Just like, just be effortless. And you're like, the one note I've gotten from him the most over the years is do less. Mm. Just just be on stage. And like, everyone in the show is so good at mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just bringing that natural authenticity and as a director, he really, uh, one of, uh, I actually got to shadow. He was very generous. And I had a day, um, because of the amount we were working, I, they basically had a day where they're like, well, we can't pay you to work this day. So you need to take a day off. I'm like, well, can I come and shadow the director? Cause this is what I want to do. And he was so generous and he let me come and just shadow him for the whole day and watch what he did and, and talk through his process. And it really was a lot of that, like trusting your actors, asking them how they're feeling in the scene. Yes. Giving, giving notes and steering things, but it was a very, it was a collaborative process and it wasn't a process where he was, you know, hammering about trying to get you to do this one really specific, you know, emotion or whatever. Um, yeah. And he's always so good. Like he will, he will Jedi mind trick you into the performance. We <laughs> talked about this a little bit last time that like he, w- he messed with my head when we were doing the, uh, the campaign ad, mm. uh, that Jordan was filming and like just to get me to like the awkward place he wanted me. He was like, I know how, 
I know Jordan. I know how to get him to get the performance. And I'm just going to do what I need to. And speaking of him, uh, we have his daughters returning here. as Ella and Charlotte. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. His daughters named Ella and Charlotte. Very cute. So uh, <laughs> Playing with Ben and Lindsay, who are played by Ben and Lindsay. <laughs> and that's part of his kind of his authenticity practice was like, you know, it was yeah. like, I'm just going to have you named. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to have these mm-hmm. characters named after you for the most part. Because, like, I don't want you to be responding fictionally. Yeah, bringing a lot of yourself to the role. He certainly yeah. encouraged. Yeah. Do you remember the ping pong tournament? That oh, yeah. Yes. We've, we've, we've talked a little yeah. bit about Paddleground uh, so far. <laughs> and, yeah, that was epic. Um, I, oh. I came across a picture of the, the final match between uh, JD and Jared. Mm-hmm. There was like someone had just taken a picture, like from one end, and all of us are like lined up on like the couches and folding chairs on the other side, and it's like they're so intense. And someone put a filter on it, and so it's just—is <laughs> there a lens flare? It's well, it looks like it's like kind of it's not washed out. I'm trying to think. It's like, but it, it looks like an old like Civil War daguerreotype or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just like looks very, very old. Um, and. <laughs> and now they are, are drinking uh, shots of whiskey out of uh, the soap dispenser, uh, Mel, to give you uh, uh, Tack and Cole. <laughs> it's like, no, Jack and Jay were not actually getting drunk that day. It was their characters. <laughs> not on set that day. We would go out afterwards not on set to that watch day. the Packers game, no. and then we would get <laughs> Yeah, we'd head over to the Badger Bowl. Or, yes, uh, the bowling alley yeah, slash yeah, bar yeah. slash yeah. sports bar. Which is, a, which is apparently gone now. We've we've lamented. Really? It, yeah, that, that's, that's what folks have told me. Folks who are still up in that area. Um, which, uh, oh, that, that one hit. That one hit deep. I've lost some, like, pubs. Uh, here in Austin, uh, RIP the dog and duck. Um, but when I heard that the Badger Bowl had gone away, <laughs> I was like, I just, I wanted to cry because that place was so yeah, yeah. meaningful. This, we watched some good Packers games at that bar and had some very good times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and now. Uh, Sarah's come back and she's all made up and uh, I mean Coltrane, Coltrane yeah Kelly always looks good in all of the scenes she's in in the show but this was like the first word they were like oh it's date night we're gonna have her like you know dress up and make up and everything and it was just like I think that was the first time I realized it's like oh she hadn't been wearing a lot of makeup in those other scenes because she's just so gorgeous Every again everyone in the show is just a beautiful, attractive human being. I think they actually had to work to make Ben look as sort of nerdy as he is, because he would always show up, and they're like, "We need to nerd him up. He needs. He's supposed to play mm-hmm, the ugly mm-hmm, duckling, mm-hmm. so we actually have to like push yeah. him really hard that way." Which is so weird, because I mean, like that, and I mean, like it leans into it a bit, because he is just that guy. He's just that nerdy, wonderful, like ruffled hair, mm. tucked in shirt. Guy and like so, it's just like everyone just kind of got turned up like ten degrees, a little bit of like mm-hmm. varying aspects of their kind of personalities, and 
Jay plays drunk so well <laughs> and so disturbingly in this scene. <laughs> um, and playing drunk, playing drunk is hard. Because, like, it's so easy to just be I'm fine. I don't feel anything. And just be cartoonish about it. But, like, I heard someone, I'm trying to remember. I think it was, like, I think it was Josh Radner from How I Met Your Mother said, like, his best key to it was um, when you're playing drunk as an actor, uh, you should try to play sober. Because that's what drunk people do. Right. Is try to look sober. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. Ooh, man. It's one of the hardest things to direct. Like, how do you direct an actor to be more drunk? Or, like, that sort of performance is incredibly difficult. Yeah. And, like, Jay can just, like, dig into those depths. Because he's, like, so effortlessly charming. And it's kind of that same thing as I was talking about with Sam. Because there are these things that tack has to do that are so fucking unlikable. And Mm. so detestable in a lot of ways. This, like... That is some like abusive shit right there that he's pulling like and kicking that the door and just he gets violent mm-hmm. there and you see everyone responding to it so great and that was one of the great things about this cast was just the ability everyone's ability to react to what was going on even because you didn't always know if the camera was on you or not mm. um, yeah. yeah so you yeah. kind of always had to be on and always, and like it created just this very immersive world and so it would be like jay would have a little have to go into that place and we watch tack do that and then like afterwards we have to be it's like like go up and give each other hugs and stuff and just be it's like and it's like everything's fine we're all fine (laughs) it's like just kind of give that little cool down um Mm -hmm. watching watching you guys check in it was really interesting for me because again, this was one of the first big narrative things that I'd worked on and yeah, watching actors check in and the director check in that the actors were checking in. And sometimes even after the scene was over, cause you would sort of want to go to their separate corners. I remember watching one where um, he and Terry were sort of being very antagonistic and it was at the, at every time JC cut, they would literally go to their separate corners and do their own. And it wasn't after the scene was over. And then they were, you know, okay, let's, let's check in and do this thing we've separated during. And then mm-hmm, we come together mm-hmm. after. Everyone in the show, every member of this cast is such a giving and sharing performer. They will invariably, they will give you so many gifts that you can respond to as an actor and they will come up and ask you what you need ahead of time. And we were always very good about like, you know, okay, Hey, let's go and, you know, run the scene together. Hey, we've got this, like, what do you need? Or like, you know, in between takes, just be, it's like, Hey, do you want me to ramp that up a little Mm -hmm. bit? Do you want me to like, you know, ease Mm -hmm. off like physical proximity? Like, you know, what do you want? Um, And it was just very collaborative. And I felt that kind of just permeated throughout. And I think that's just, that's just sort of how, again, just, uh, this now becomes the 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 JD Walsh love hour because that's the kind of set he runs, mm. and those are the kind yeah. of projects yeah. that he produces. And like I said, you know, I've I've done a few things with him before and a, a couple of things with him since, and that's just how he runs things from the top to bottom. And I've you know I've tried to take that into projects that I've directed since then. Yep. On every level, everyone has to feel like there's no no there's no hierarchy. Like there is someone at the top who has to be like it's like okay I'm leading this. But everyone has an equal share and an equal say 
if someone has a good suggestion, he will take it no matter whom it's from. And I exactly, yeah. I've always been yeah. very, I've always felt very grateful that this was one of my first big narrative productions at all because I learned a lot from that. And I saw, you know, you can, you, I've seen a lot of people since who do not do that, who do it absolutely the wrong way. Yeah. And not only is it a worse set for being on it, but it's an, it, you end up with a product that is not as good as it could be because you are not open to taking the best idea from whomever, you know, you're too wrapped up in things. And, and he was always open to obviously a, a really conducive set, but also what will actually make this scene, this performance, this show, this episode better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's got that kind of like internal editor in his brain. Like he will process the idea. You won't, it won't just be, it's like, yeah, let's give it a try. You will see him be like, you know, kind of like, like the computer in his brain is going through and being like, yeah, if we did that, then we do that. And then we do that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's give it a try. I got it. Um, so like, he'll like, he will take the idea and like everyone can contribute to that, but he is still the one who filters it and says like, he's like, okay, if we're going to do that, then here's how we execute it. He's that kind of like leading from behind. Like everyone is supported. Everyone is heard. And like you said, yeah, it creates not only a wonderful working environment, but as we see throughout, I think every episode of this show, superior product. Yes. I I love it so much, if you can't tell. It's very uh, human. <laughs> it's a very human show. It really is. Like and what yeah. you were saying before, you you have characters who are doing some things that are, you know, on the edge, some things that are outright gross, some things that are really wonderful and lovely, but and you can relate to all of that, right? That's the spectrum of human experience. And you want to steer away from one and into the other, but you need to be able to show that range and it is it's a very human show even though it's about obviously you know down and dirty politics yeah but it's like it's the we're following the characters through it the reason that it's mm. shot the way it is the, way, the reason it's written the way it is mm -hmm. the reason he has us performing it the way it is is to create that level of personal engagement that it is about it's the story of these characters working in this environment it's not about like the politics of uh, of Samuels or like, you know, oh, we're going to, you know, it's, there is that level of gamesmanship because that's part of what the job is, but it's also about the friendships and the romances and the rivalries and the bitter exes and the broken marriages and just the found family that you have in that kind of workplace, which then expands out because this is, you know, so much of the casting crew of this show has become one of my found families. I have a really great family, uh, you know, which uh, like I really lucked out in a lot of that regard. And I've worked on a lot of wonderful projects that have people who are involved in it have stayed in my life. This one was something special. And, you know, like the people I haven't stayed in touch with everyone who worked on it, but like mm -hmm. the people who I have stayed in touch with, uh, I still have, really wonderful connections with and really wonderful memories with. And, uh, and before we get into the question, I do want to call out the very special memories. Both of you, uh, hold, uh, for me, uh, uh, Melanie after thing, you know, like we never really interacted a whole lot on set, but after we wrapped, like you and I got pretty close and we, you know, talked very frequently, uh, in the years immediately afterwards. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I got to uh, help out a little bit with uh, one of the short films 
that you do is uh, the the Lilith necklace. Yes, absolutely. Want to call that out mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it is one of my credits on IMDb now, being a producer. <laughs> oh, actually, a lot of people from Battleground. Uh, so let's see: Randy, Adam, mm-hmm. uh, Will. AK, mm-hmm. um, you, like oh, several people, because I, I was writing, the, oh, Dan as well, um, my my wonderful soundy. Um, I was writing it as I was working on Battleground and a couple of people ended up being interested and then ended up working on it. And which is still, it was the first thing I ever wrote and directed. Um, and it has, mm-hmm. uh, and I've actually now written a sequel, which is a feature film that I'm pitching around. It's it's actually had yeah. quite a life, which is really that's awesome. interesting. And yeah, I met a lot of yeah. those people on this and went, I want to work with you more. I want to learn from you more. I want to, you know, interact. And, you know, uh, you when you spend, what was it, four months in such... Yeah. I think, yeah, production was two, but like there was a lot of... Yeah, there was before and after and things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, you get to know someone and whether you want to work with them or not. So yeah, because I didn't get to interact with as many people on set, but then after the fact, you know, uh, whether it's sometimes at the Badger Bowl or sometimes afterwards, just still being around Madison or via email or whatever, you end up, you know, forging those the relationships and you know whether or not you want to because you know you've seen how they react when they use when they lose very badly at ping pong you know that tells you a lot about someone's character <laughs> yeah yeah under the yeah, wire yeah. when the tension comes in mm. yeah 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 mm. um and uh randy you uh you kind of helped close out my uh battleground experience um because at the uh uh the rap party oh what a party oh. <laughs> i gotta do it I gotta do it. I gotta do oh, it. Oh no! What happened? What I do? I don't remember much. Uh, well, yeah. Um, we uh, we were all ve- we were all celebrating. <laughs> um, very very thoroughly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that much. We went straight from like a fourteen hour, sixteen hour production day into the rap party. There was no break. Yeah, I think like a few of us in the cast. I think we had time to like run back to our, the extended stay and change into. Fancy clothes. We were we we were shooting red that day too, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, my job interviews. was way worse. Yep. I was just slammed hard that day. Yeah, yeah. So we, I think, we earned uh, our our mead hall experience, which was at the uh, was it the Orpheum? Is it was that the name Orpheum. of the Orpheum Theater? Yeah, Orpheum Theater. Yep. yeah. It was yep. a gorgeous, gorgeous space. Um, mm-hmm. And we were all leaving. Uh, things were, you know, everyone, and of course, everyone's hugging because no one knows, you know, when we're going to see each other next. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's the end of summer camp. It's the end of high school. Like everyone's got, it's like, well, totally right. Oh my God. Give me your number and we'll do it. And all that. And like, so we're in this heightened emotional state and, uh, and we look over and, uh, Randy is, um, a bit inebriated. Um, a bit more, Touch. Than, a little, a little, just, just just a tad bit. I mean, everyone was inebriated. Some of us were a little more inebriated than others. And uh, we're trying to figure out because, like, you know, clearly, and I don't think, like, I don't think Uber was really a thing at this point, and it was so late that there weren't really. Kind of, and so no. we're like, you know, okay, well, we just need to get you know Randy home, and so uh, uh, Bougie oh, and I, you got to help take me home. I did, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jim Bougie <laughs> and I, uh, like, each took. Each got under one shoulder each and was like, and then it's like, and then it started to rain and we're walking through downtown Madison and asking Randy like, okay, where's your place? 
And it was not warm. I was. It was no, not warm. No, and this my, was mid December. I don't think it was quite snowing. Yeah, but it was. No, it was raining. It, but it was raining, and it was cold. It was yeah. It was mid December. I think it was like we. I think it was like two or three days later. There was like some kind of blizzard or snowstorm had blown through. But this was just like cold rain. I, I lived in Milwaukee at the time. Actually, I had bought a house there, and I was staying in a friend's girlfriend's apartment because she was staying with him and so the apartment was open and i didn't know like what was the name of the street i had no idea what number was i had no idea i just knew how to how to get there when i was sober yeah but like wasn't the best at communicating that to us in the state he was in not in uh so we walked around quite a bit of downtown madison of just like of randy just looking around trying to find like so and like I think we were trying we were like calling people, texting people, trying to get like, you know, it's like how can we get in mm-hmm, touch with the people mm-hmm. he's staying with? And we finally find I think like it must oh. have been at least an hour. But like but you wow. again, you bond with someone after that. <laughs> so like in my mind at the very least, you know, like me and Randy and Bougie are like in one you know, like that's that is a team yeah. right there. That is that is team get Randy home. So we finally find it. We like, you know, we get him up the stairs. We, you know, get him into bed. And uh, I think Booch said he was going to s- stay with you for a while and just make sure you were okay. Okay. And I was like, okay, cool. Cause I got a flight in the morning and I got to get back to the extended stay. <laughs> but I was so turned around at that point. Like it was another hour until I found my rental car back at the theater. Wow. So walking around yeah. in the rain. And like, so my flight home the next day uh ak came and uh, and gave me a ride uh to the airport and but like midway through the flight i felt that cold start to set in mm-hmm. souvenir yeah so like my my last great memory of battleground is uh making sure randy got home safe and then flying home sick because i did <laughs> <laughs> oh well thank you for the walk wow I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we just sure. we wanted to make sure you were safe and we were like not stumbling home on your own because I've definitely, I think a lot of us have been there uh, before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just anytime I think about it, like I just just crack up. Yeah. I had to go in the next day and keep on working because all of that red footage took so long to process that I had to go back in. Yeah. Oh, that was a rough one. <laughs> Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, that 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 was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't even imagine how many cups of coffee you had to had to have drunk that day. I I think I ended up setting something up and then sleeping under the uh, under the desk, just like curled up oh, in wow. a ball under my desk for a while while the last things finished before I could hand everything off and go home. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to kick uh, the question to you first now that I've utterly embarrassed you in front of mm-hmm. yep. uh, our podcast audience. Uh, <laughs> Randy Lee, did you win? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, this was my first big show. And then from there, I was able to get on to more big shows. I did um, Off Pitch for, was that MTV or something mm. of the kind the next year? Because Wisconsin gets like one show or movie or something of the sort a year and so i worked on the next one and then from there i moved to atlanta doing reality tv and then la and then i got out and i started doing adventure reality tv uh and so this is a big show that kicked me off and nowadays i shoot and produce on shows like deadliest catch gold rush whitewater Uh, i've worked on naked and afraid alaska the last frontier um just a whole bunch of really cool fun amazing adventure shows and all i do is adventure these days and this is the show that kicked it off that's amazing 
Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And all because your teacher back in the day just just pointed to you and said, you, you do yeah, this. You're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's amazing. Just yeah. the, the, the twists and turns of fate. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Melanie, how about you? Did you win? I I definitely won. I th- I won. Honestly, I won in a few ways. I won like I I've mentioned some of them. I got to shadow JD. I got so many of my casting crew for the first thing I ever wrote and directed that I met on this set. Um, I got a couple of jobs coming off of it. Um, I've gotten friends. I I don't edit anymore but I, I i i so my degree is in writing and i write uh, and that's something that you can do on your own and i have done it consistently ever since but to learn how to direct i didn't go to film school right so to learn how to direct you need to be able to do other things and and editing on that yeah. show taught me a lot about direction taught me a lot about you know see, being able to see every different choice that JD made and every different choice that all of these actors made and then seeing um, you know being able to rough it together and then seeing what the editors did with it afterwards and being able to study and watch that it taught me a lot about um, directing that I still you know it, it really set me off on this course and really helped set me up for success and and set me up to learn and things like that so I would say, I absolutely won. That's great. Yeah. And I, I think I, I've definitely heard that before from like friends who were kind of got in on editing and mm. moved into uh, filmmaking, doing more of the narrative side of things that like the editing is the filmmaking boot camp. Absolutely. You learn mm-hmm, a mm-hmm, lot mm-hmm. and you do everything better as a camera operator, I'm so glad that I spent years editing. You just know what you need better for every step of the way, every bit of it. You're better off if you've edited. That's fantastic. So if you are a an aspiring filmmaker out there, uh, dear listener, um, get a get get some editing work. Get to figure out like learn learn the software, learn the skill, put mm-hmm. in the hours. Mm-hmm. Make sure you've got a cot in your office and. Uh, <laughs> and a good coffee maker. And a good coffee maker. Yeah. yeah. Uh Randy and Melanie, thank y'all so much for joining me on this episode. This was a blast. And I know it was so many flaming hoops we had to jump through uh to make this happen, but uh it makes me so happy uh to talk to y'all and uh r- reminisce and remember all of these wonderful things. Um and everyone Thank you for having us on. Yeah, what a fun project. Jordan, Melanie, it has been way way too long melanie melanie and i worked together a lot for quite a while mm. around before the show after the show and uh we kind of we went different directions uh she moved to australia <laughs> when i came out west and like we just haven't connected really since then so it was great to see both of your faces again miss you guys miss y'all uh if y'all ever find yourselves uh in austin or just really anywhere in texas um let me know we've always got um a friend here because I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. So, uh, you know, just, uh, we will find, we'll find a replacement for the Badger Bowl, uh, wherever we wind up. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, and hopefully, mm-hmm. um, wherever our paths lead us, they will, uh, intersect again. Oh, quick fact about, quick fact about Texas. Did you know, uh, I live in Alaska these days and I'm down in the desert climbing for a little while, but if you cut Alaska in half, Texas would be the third largest state. 
<laughs> just just throwing that out for, for you. But no one would live there. <laughs> uh, no, I love I love Alaska. I've gotten to do a couple of festivals up in Juneau, and uh, it's a real real great place. Uh, I have not been to Australia yet. I want to. So uh, pretty much since I was a kid, like I've always wanted to uh, go and visit there. So hopefully. When the world makes a little more sense and uh, and travels a little Come on uh, down easier. Only if you bring Spotted Cow. That's the fee for entry. Oh, look. Oh, look. <laughs> oh, Randy's pulling, Randy's pulling <laughs> a Spotted Cow out and taunting us right now. Oh, this yeah. This episode brought to you by the new Glarus Bottling Company. <laughs> oh, I miss Spotted Cow so two much. Two women, actually. Yeah, even better. Bring me some new Glarus. Yep, two, two women. women is he- Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. I will I'll bring you some Shiner. Randy will bring you some uh New Glarus and uh and we'll just and and y'all have to haul me home at the end of the night. That's a deal. <laughs> <laughs> deal. Deal. Uh thank y'all so much for uh for tuning in for another episode. Uh join us again. Uh for uh I guess we've got three, three, four more. I think there's 13 episodes and this is nine. There's 13 episodes and this is nine. So this is four. Yeah. I'm not great at the maths. Um, So, but we will have uh, at least four more of these talking about uh, Battleground. Thank you all so much for tuning in to Did You Win? And remember, always look at the chandeliers. If you'd like to follow Melanie online, you can find her various social media profiles and writing on Linktree at Mel's Bells. That's M-E-H-L-S-B-E-L-L-S. And check out her new project, Shot Zero, on Instagram, at underscore Shot Zero, for cinematic scene analysis in short, succinct, one-shot videos. As always, I remain never short and rarely succinct on Instagram, at Rev Jordan T. Maxwell. And to close out this week's episode, I'd like to make a quick correction to last week's, where I incorrectly identified the actor who originally played KJ in the spec pilot as Kara Jameson, which is, of course, the character's name, instead of the wonderful and sublime Kara Jane McNamara. Apologies for the faulty wiring of my dumb brain. Did You Win? A Battleground Retrospective is a Voxwell production, created by Jordan T. Maxwell and Cindy Page. Audio production, design, and editing by Cindy Page. With additional audio engineering by Awayward. Original music composed and recorded by Awayward. Logo and graphic design by Danielle Deverona. Follow us on Instagram at Voxwell Productions or email us at voxwellproductions at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. First original Hulu scripted program. I think I got all those words in the right order. Battleground.